Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to exclusive content brought to you by Seekers Guidance. We are committed to make reliable Islamic knowledge accessible and free of charge. Help us in our mission by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org slash donate. Even $10 a month can go a long way. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Hamdan yuafi ni'mah wa yukafi umazida Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak wa karim ala abdika al-Mustafa Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi al-Tayyibin al-Tahirin wa ashabihi al-Muntakhabin wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanan wa hudan ila yawmiddin wa alayna ma'ahum wa fihim bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin Allahumma alimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima'allamtana wazidna ilman ya kareem يا حليم خلقنا بخلق الحلم حققنا بحقائق العلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم نوينا التعلم والتعليم وتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والحث على التمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلالة على الخير ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى Alhamdulillah, so we've come to the last chapter of the Book of Assistance uh, and then Imam al-Haddad has one final chapter which is the conclusion, which is kind of general advice and reminders. Uh, but this is the last chapter focusing on a specific topic and uh, a very fitting end, uh, uh, a very fitting end to uh, the book. Uh, he ends the book with divine love, the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and contentment, rida. Uh, and these two things are, these two virtues are slightly different but they're interrelated and we'll see how Imam al-Haddad, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on him, uh, combines the two. But really as Imam al-Ghazali says, all of the spiritual stations and all of the degrees of nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before the love of Allah all lead to that point. And every station that occurs after the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala such as contentment, such as intimacy, uns and so forth are all uh, built upon the foundation of love. So in reality the entire spiritual journey even if it's repentance and trusting in Allah and patience and hope and fear and all of these maqamat and all of these spiritual stations that are precursors to love are all leading to the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything of the stations that are attained after love are built upon love so really love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the axis around which all of the spiritual stations uh, uh, exist so this is really the the purpose and the goal that we're all uh, aspiring to attain and the most important of all the virtues. So Imam al-Haddad says, you must love Allah until he becomes subhanahu wa ta'ala dearer to you and more beloved to you than all else and until you have no other beloved but him. The cause for the presence of love, so then Imam al-Haddad now is telling us, so how 
uh, what is the reason that people love things in general? So he says, the cause for the presence of love is either a perfection existing in the beloved or something that one receives from him. So generally people, they love those who are good to them. Or they love because of a, a beautiful quality that exists in the beloved. So he says, if you are one in whom love is caused by perfection, then know that all perfection, majesty, and beauty are Allah's alone. And that he has no associates in them. Any perfection or beauty seen in any existing thing comes from Allah's perfecting or beautifying it. For he has created and designed it. And had he not favored it with existence, it would, not have, been, it would have been unperceived, non-existent. And but for the effusion of the lights of the beauty of his making upon it, it would have been a thing inauspicious indeed. So in reality, any, no, any noble qualities that we see, any beauty, any perfection that we admire and adore in creation was only given that by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah Jalla Jalalu is the one who, uh, 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 the one who uh, within him all of the perfect attributes of beauty exist. And everything else that has beauty is given that beauty by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-haq, Allah is the real. He subhanahu wa ta'ala has an existence that is not dependent upon anything. And everything else in existence is dependent upon Him. It's contingent existence. So our existence as created beings is a limited existence. It is real, but it is a limited existence because we are dependent upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all beauty is limited because it's dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give it that beauty. Whereas he, Jalla Jalalu, is the possessor of beauty without any uh, dependency on anything else, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the first condition. If you are one who loves based on uh, the perfect qualities of the beloved, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most deserving of love. He, Jalla Jalalu, is the possessor of the, the attributes of beauty and majesty and perfection. At the, at the highest and most infinite of levels, beyond what we could possibly uh, 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 attain and, and, and fathom and comprehend fully. Right? And anything that exists in, in, uh, that has beauty, it is from the effusion of the lights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that make that thing beautiful. So the second reason is that you love because of something you receive from your beloved that makes you be love them. So Imam al-Haddad says, if however, you are one who loves because of what you receive, then know that there is no graciousness, favor, honor, or provision bestowed upon you or any other creature, but that Allah the Exalted has favored you with it purely through his generosity and liberality. How many a good thing has he given you how many a favor has He granted you? He is your Lord and guardian who created you and guided you to whom your life and your death belong, who gives you to eat and drink, 
who provides and looks after you, who shelters you and gives you refuge. And then here's the thing that yani, we really have to think about. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to obey Him and to believe in His one, oneness and worship Him and so forth. But when we fall short, does Allah take those things away from us? Imam al-Haddad says, He sees your ugly behavior and conceals it. Uh, he, you ask him to forgive you and he does so and he sees your righteous behavior and increases and manifests it you obey him by his providence and aid and he mentions your name in the unseen and casts respect and love for you into the hearts of others you disobey him using his favors yet disobedience does not make him withhold his favors how can you love other than this generous Lord? How can you disobey this compassionate Lord? Imam al-Haddad beautifully is calling us to reflect upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to bestow upon us so many, uh, uh, we're not even able to enumerate them. So many blessings and favors in every moment. And even when we fall short and disobey Him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conceals the, uh, uh, our sins from others. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not expose us in front of creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not withhold and take away His favors from us. And there's two things that we should take away from that. One, how can you love other than this generous Ilah, this generous uh, Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How can you love other than Him? No one is better to you than Allah. No one is more gracious to you than Allah. No one is more merciful towards you than Allah. No one bestows more favors upon you and takes care of you better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So who is more deserving of that love? And then another thing Imam al-Haddad is telling us to have and we really need to instill this within ourselves, is a sense of shame. You know, if someone is kind to you, and you wrong them, and they're still kind to you, and you wrong you will feel ashamed. And they have the ability to take you to full account. Yet they forgive you. Yet they're patient with you. Yet, yet, they're still so, so good to you. person will go, I'm so ashamed of all the, the mistakes I've made. So he says, how could you disobey this compassionate Lord? Say, Ya Allah, you are so good to me. You are continuously good to me. You are so forbearant with me. You've covered my flaws. You've continued to invite me to, 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 to your door. You've continued to uh, allow me to draw nearer to you, so on and so forth. You haven't uh, uh, brought uh, punishment and torment and disease and creation, their, their hatred against me, Ya Allah. I need to change. I need to improve. Mm -hmm. So then Imam al-Haddad is going to transition into uh, uh, what is the basis of this love? What, how do we build this love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He says, know that the basis of love is knowledge, is ilm, and, uh, or ma'rifah. Right? This knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not just book knowledge, not just information, 
But when a person That the ones from amongst Allah's creation Or amongst Allah's servants who have khashya Who have awe and humility before him Are the ulama Not the ulama al-rusum as Imam al-Ghazali calls them Not ulama who just look like ulama And who just, you know, for appearances sake But the ulama whose hearts tremble with their knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attributes and His majesty and His perfection and so forth. Those who when they recite the Qur'an, their hearts tremble and they have goosebumps on their skin and their skin shivers and then they have the serenity and the uns with the recitation of the Qur'an and so forth. Right, so this is the type of knowledge that Imam al-Haddad is saying that this is the basis of love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that its fruit is contemplation, mushahada. Mushahada could be contemplation, it could also be witnessing. Where the Prophet ﷺ said, That you worship Allah as though you see Him. And it means you are witnessing Him spiritually with your heart. Its lowest degree, this is the lowest degree of this kind of love, is that the love of Allah should be supreme in your heart. And the test of sincerity here is to disobey the person whom you love should he invite you to do that which would incur Allah's anger, such as sins or the neglect of acts of obedience. Someone you love calls you to do something that's displeasing to Allah. The lowest degree of love is that you, don't, you won't do something that uh, uh, affects Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love of you. It's uppermost degree, so that's the lowest degree. And that's for the vast majority of us something that we strive to attain. But someone might say, oh, I don't have the lowest degree, I give up. No, 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 no. This is precious. This is precious. This is what you were made for. If you spent every moment in your life seeking this, and every dollar you had seeking this, and all the health you had seeking this, it's worth it. It's worth it. Just to even have the lowest degree is something great. But then, when a person has the lowest degree, nobody wants to just, uh, nobody says, I love you just enough. <laughs> the nature of love, uh, like one of the Salaf, he wrote to his student and he said, what is your state like? And he said, I drank from the cup of love and I'll never be thirsty again. So his teacher said to him, he said, I'm amazed at the weakness of your state. He said, I have drunk from the cup of all, everything in existence and my mouth is agape, still wanting more. Can never, uh, you can never have enough love. There's no such thing as too much love. So when a person uh, is given that love, they want to seek more and more and more and more. So the uppermost degree is that there remain in your heart not the slightest love for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a rare and precious thing. And to persist therein, to have thabat, is even more rare. When it persists, the human attributes fade away completely and an absorption in Allah obtains which leaves no room for any awareness of the existent universe and its people. And then Imam al-Haddad says, this is very important, very, very, very important.
Because a lot of Muslims need to understand this and be reminded of this. Oh, we love Allah, we love Allah. And oftentimes people will talk about the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like a theoretical thing, but they don't know the path to that love. They don't understand that the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also has uh, things that are part of the love of Allah, that are not separate in any way. So Imam al-Haddad says, know that love for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and all of Allah's prophets, angels, and virtuous servants, and all who assist in his obedience is part of one's love for him. All of this is part of the love of Allah subhanahu so if someone says, I, you'll see the, the, the awliya and the salihin, the people of you know, the highest ranks of a siddiqiyya al-kubra, when they're in a state of complete uh, love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look at their ta'lim of the Prophet They didn't attain that love except through Sayyidina Rasulullah Just like you didn't come into this world except by your two parents. That's how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed it. There's no arguing against that except in rare cases of Sayyidina Isa and so forth. But you and I and everyone else alive on today's, we came into this world through our mother and father. And we come to the levels of nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the guidance and teachings and example of uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa and that is how Allah has willed it. As Imam al-Junaid says, that all of the paths are closed except for someone who follows the footsteps of the Messenger. The Prophet has said وسلم, Love Allah for the favors He grants you And love me for the love of Allah And love the people of my house Ahl Bayti for my love So all of this is one love The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Loving the Prophet وسلم, From the love of Allah Because Allah loves him he is the beloved. He is Habibullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who uh, uh, whatever he loves becomes beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He loves his Ahl al-Bayt. So all of those things are part of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not separate. Another hadith states, Allah has said, My love is due to those who love each other for my sake and who sit with each other for my sake who visit each other for my sake, and who give to each other for my sake. So all of these, uh, uh, this kind of love is part of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam al-Haddad then says, sincere love has signs, the greatest and highest of which is perfection in one's following the messenger in his speech, acts, and attributes. This is the highest degree of love is perfection in one's following the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the, the Salihin, the greatest compliment that they could ever be paid or that they could ever pay one another is that the person intensely, they would say, this Shaykh, MashaAllah, he intensely followed the Messenger of Allah. That is the greatest form of praise. That is the highest <laughs> seal of love. Because Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ Say, if you love Allah, follow me and Allah will love you. So your degree of following the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is an indication of the degree of the love that you've been given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those who's uh, uh, following the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is perfect, then their lo the love that they receive is full. 
a full measure. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq and grant us the love of those who are at this level and grant us the love of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, say if you love Allah then follow me and Allah will love you. And following the beloved of Allah is in proportion to one's love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If the latter is abundant, if your, your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is abundant, then your following Allah's Habib will be abundant likewise. While if the latter is little, the former will be little also. Huh? And Allah is witness to what we say. Now Imam al-Haddad is transitioning into contentment, which is another one of the virtues that is built upon love. A person has love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then a natural uh, state that comes from that is contentment. So he says, you must be content with Allah's decrees. For this contentment is among the most noble consequences of love and ma'rifah, gnosis. It is the attribute of the lover to be pleased with the acts of his beloved, whether they be sweet or bitter. The Prophet ﷺ has said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, anyone who is not content with my decrees and cannot patiently endure my trials, let him seek a Lord other than I. Hmm. And this is beautiful because, once again, even in this hadith Qudsi, we see the adab in all of these situations. Uh, to be content with Allah's decrees and patient when we're afflicted with a trial. That's the, the adab that we have to have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we can't do that, find a Lord other than Allah. And the answer is, there is none. So you, you have to deal with reality. And you will benefit and you will give yourself much more ease and you will benefit by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's good pleasure to follow what he's told us to do, which is to be content with these decrees. And the Prophet sallallahu has also said, when Allah loves a people, he afflicts them. The one who is content receives his contentment and the one who is angry receives his anger. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sallallahu so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He loves a people, He afflicts them. Whoever is content receives rida min Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Radi Allahu anhum radwan. And whoever is angry receives Allah's anger. Your duty, O believer, is to know and believe that Allah the Exalted is the one who causes guidance and misguidance, misery and happiness, and nearness and remoteness. He gives and withholds, abases and exalts, and causes harm and benefit. Having known and believed in this, your duty is never to object, whether outwardly or inwardly, to any of his acts. To object means to say, why was that? And what for? Why was it not like this or that? What did so-and-so do to deserve this? There can be none more ignorant than he who raises objections to the way Allah deals with His kingdom or disputes His sovereignty, while remaining aware that Allah the Exalted is the unique creator, authority, sovereign and manager, who does what He wills and decides what He wishes, who cannot be asked to account for what He does, while they, i.e. His creatures, will be asked. On the contrary, you must believe that everything that Allah does cannot be done in a wiser, more equitable, better, or more perfect way. 
Now this is important. This is in those things where they are decreed. Now in the things that contradict the Sharia, we have a responsibility to try to uh, right those wrongs. But in reality, when things are as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills, we do not uh, dispute Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will. But we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seek His good pleasure by doing the things that Allah and His Messenger have told us to do when things are not good, in a good state. So there's a difference between the two. Right? So it's important to understand that. If someone is getting uh, robbed, person doesn't say, Oh, no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you the ability to help that person. Help them. But then whatever ends up happening, that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree. A child, for example, a child gets sick and dies. Oh, what is this child? That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will. And there's a wisdom and a hikmah in that that is far beyond your capability to understand, even in the things that are bad. And we see that in uh, Surah Al-Kahf when we see the story of Prophet Musa and Sayyidina Al-Khidr The things are not what they always appear to be. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is far above and beyond what you could ever understand and imagine. So know, and this is part of contentment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of us better than we take care of ourselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what is good for His creation more than we know what, what we think is good for His creation. So when you know that and you realize even if something that you love, even if something that you hoped for does not uh, you know, come about the way that you hoped and wanted, you say, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I wanted it one way, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose another way. So now I know that what He has chosen is better. And a person does not, you know, like someone came to me one time, and a lot of people feel this way. I wanted to get into this particular school and I prayed Qiyam al-Layl and I made so much dua and I was told you make dua, Allah answers your dua, I didn't get into the program. You know, and I don't feel like dua works. Okay, first of all, like you, uh, the, the relationship is ubudiyya. You're a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He is deserving of that and because He has commanded you to do that. Secondly, you need to trust in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows over what you know. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not, you know, as uh, one of the dangers of people's understanding today, they call it moralistic therapeutic deism. That people's understanding of God is, I ask God for the things I want and He gives them, gives them to me. And other than that, prayer is not a big deal. No. Allah is your Rabb. Allah is your Ilah. And you are his absolute abd, you are his absolute slave and servant. If he gives you, it's completely from his generosity and you are not deserving. And if he gives you something else, then know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you something better than what you thought was good for yourself. That's part of rida. Hmm? Right? So as Imam al-Haddad says, you must believe that everything that Allah does cannot be done in a wiser more equitable, better, or more perfect way. Such is, in general terms, contentment with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's af'al, Allah's acts.
To be more specific, matters which concern you are of two kinds. Right? So this is about how contentment plays out. Firstly, those which suit you, such as good health and prosperity. So being content in good health and prosperity is expected. Resentment is inconceivable here, except through looking at those who possess more of these things than you do. Your duty then is to be content with what Allah has allotted you, because His is the right to do as He pleases in His kingdom. Or better still, because He has chosen what is best and most suitable for your circumstances. So a person, alhamdulillah, you know, has good things. Alhamdulillah, I have health. Alhamdulillah, I have a house, a car, shelter, safety. Oh no, but this person is in, has more than me of those things. This person has a better job. This person has a bigger house. This person, oh, why don't I have that? No, you should at the very least know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives whatever He wills to whomever He pleases. And you cannot dispute that. Even better than that, Imam al-Haddad is to say, Ya Allah, you know what's best for me. And alhamdulillah, there are so many things that uh, in your decree and in uh, your, what you have given me are better for me. Uh, what you have decreed are better for me and uh, alhamdulillah. I'm actually happier with what you've given me than those things, those people that seem to have more. Alhamdulillah, everything you gave me, Allah, it's the best thing for me. If I had those other things, maybe it would bring other problems. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Don't complain. Don't complain. Don't look at what other people have. And if you feel that way, say, alhamdulillah, whatever Allah gives me is the best for me. Secondly, the, the, the things to be content about are those things which do not suit you, such as mis misfortunes, illnesses, and infirmities. It is then forbidden that you be discontented and restless in this regard. It is better to accept these things contentedly and surrender to Allah's will. If you cannot, then patiently endure for the sake of Allah. A hadith states, worship Allah by being content. It's a form of ibadah. And if you cannot, if you cannot say, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Ya Rabbi. There's still so many other things, so many blessings, so many... Uh, uh, so much lutuf, so much of Allah's gentleness, even in these ibtilaat, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And trying to, to have that contentment, if you cannot, then know that in the patient endurance of that which is unpleasant, lies great good. That's the hadith of the Prophet So if a person is just patient and doesn't go into the realm of complaining or being discontent or why me, what's going on, so forth, there's a lot of good in that. Certain wealthy people neglect some duties and commit some transgressions and yet feel secure. This has nothing at all to do with contentment. For disobedience and neglect of one's duties are causes of Allah's wrath. So how can one be content with that which displeases Him? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, if you are ungrateful, God is independent of you and He is not pleased with ingratitude in His servants. But if you are thankful, he approves of it for you. Hmm. Right? If you are ungrateful, God is independent. God has no need of you. And he is not pleased with ingratitude for his servants. So in other words, even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need you, out of Allah's mercy, he guides you and tells you, 
You need to be grateful. You need Allah. Huh? And He is not pleased with ingratitude or disbelief in His servants. But if you are thankful, He approves of it for you. Such wretched people are pleased only with themselves, but think they are pleased with their Lord. Being pleased with oneself and being pleased with one's Lord are far apart and never unite in the same place. Ya ilaha illallah. Ridha nafs and ridha Allah do not, do, do not come together. And if a person, and, and what he means here, uh, pleased with oneself, he means the nafs. Alhamdulillah, I'm good. Inshallah, you know, per and this means Allah loves me. No. A person is so full of themselves that they assume that they must be beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you're happy with yourself and you're pleased with yourself and you're content with yourself, that's a sign that you're not on the right track. But if someone comes to Allah with iftiqar, astaghfirullah, ya Allah, ya Allah, I have nothing to, I have nothing to show, show you. Ya Allah, I have nothing to be proud of. But I'm hoping for your mercy. I'm seeking you. Ya Allah, and any good that you've bestowed upon me is through your grace. Ya Allah. Ah. And a person doesn't, uh, you know, give in to their nafs. That's a sign that, inshaAllah, they're on the path of, of attaining Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rida. Imam al-Haddad continues and says, How excellent is that which the Imam al-Ghazali, may Allah be well pleased with him, wrote to Abu al-Fatih al-Dimashqi, may God have mercy on him. He said to him, Contentment is to be content inwardly with Allah's acts and outwardly to do what pleases him. Al-Ridha, contentment, is inwardly to be pleased with whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his acts, his af'ad, the things that you see, all of his creating and the circumstances. And outwardly, contentment is to do what pleases him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Should a servant wish to know how much contentment he has, then let him search for it when hardships arrive, afflictions descend, and sicknesses become severe. For in these circumstances, he will either find it or not. Right? This doesn't mean that a person should ask for these things. نسأل الله العافية والسلامة واللطف والثبات نسألك يا ربي الثبات We don't try to assume that we're stronger than we are. We say, Ya Allah, if you grant us thabat, we will have thabat. If you leave us to ourselves, we'll, we'll be destroyed. Hmm? But when those things happen, because in life, yani the, the blows of fate come in life. A person can then see, I thought I loved Allah and all this, you know, nice, light, kind of feel good, talk, love, oh, I love Allah, dhikr, and People want to get up and then something bad happens and a person's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Or someone even, something shakes them up. Well, where, where am I really? Where am I with Allah really? This ibtila, if a person can say, Ya Allah, Allahumma lakal hamd, Ya Rabbi lutfak wa hafwak, Ya Rabbi ridak. And a person is content with Allah in that hardship, that's the true test. But it's easy when everything's nice to say, oh, I love Allah. But the one who says, Ya Allah, like one of the Salihin, SubhanAllah, he, he uh, was afflicted with a stroke. So half of his body, he could move it and half of his body he couldn't move. So they came to visit him. Shaykh Hamza Yusuf tells the story. 
He said he was pointing to his, the half of his body that, that didn't work. He just kept saying, SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. Like, it, I can't move, SubhanAllah. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who caused me to be able to move it and caused me to be able, not to be able to move it. And half to move and half not to move. He was just in mushahada. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. Whereas other people could be in a totally different state in that moment. One frequently hears the villains of today replying when asked about why they abandoned obedience and committed transgressions. They would say, this is something which Allah has predestined us to do. We cannot avoid it and are but subjugated slaves. This is the fatalistic Jabriya outlook. And those who hold such an opinion are implying, although not explicitly saying, that there was no point in sending messengers and revealing books. How can someone who claims to have faith argue in favor of himself and against his Lord? When Allah's is the most profound argument against all his creatures, how can a believer be willing to imitate the polytheists who said, had Allah so wished, we would not have associated anything with him, nor would our fathers, nor would we have forbidden anything has he not heard Allah's reply to them through his prophet say, have you any knowledge that you can exhibit for us? You follow nothing but conjectures. You only guess. That's the end of the ayah. And even the idolaters, when they return to Allah, will not be able to say, will not be able to use such an untenable argument. On the contrary, they will say, our Lord, our evil fortune overwhelmed us and we were people astray. Our Lord, we have now seen and heard. Send us back and we will do right. We are now convinced. It's the end of the ayah. Know that supplication, this is beautiful. So Imam al-Haddad once again is teaching us the adab of all of these virtues of the heart. So a person might say, okay, being content with everything, being, does that mean like I can't ask if I'm in a hard situation, I just have to not say anything and just say alhamdulillah and move on? Not necessarily. He says, know that supplication, dua, even with insistence, constantly, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, you know, asking for faraj for the ummah. The salihin, they cry every night for the state of the ummah. Does that mean they're not content? No. That's part of their ibadah. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves of them. That's what the Prophet would love for them to do. But then they're content with whatever happens the next day, they're content. This is what Allah will, yet they still ask. So know that supplication, even with insistence, does not compromise contentment. On the contrary, it is part of it. How can it not be so when prayer expresses true faith in Allah's oneness? Is the language of servitude huh? and the hallmark of the realization of helplessness, neediness, humility and poverty. Anyone who has realized these attributes has attained to knowledge and arrival and to the utmost nearness to Allah. It has been related that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that prayer is the, uh, the marrow of worship, like the bone marrow, the inner essence of ibadah. The weapon of the believer, and the light of the heavens and the earth. And that those who do not ask Allah incur His wrath.
Our Lord, majestic is His power, has said, To Allah belong the most beautiful names. Thus call on Him by them. And He also said, Your Lord has said, Pray to me and I will answer you. So this is important, that if a person is in a difficult situation, they still try to have contentment. Alhamdulillah, there's a wisdom in this. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, show me your wisdom. Ya Allah, allow me to, to be content with your decree. And if it's an ongoing, Ya Allah, lutfik. Ya Allah, ask you for your lutf. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alaihi Wasallam in the beautiful dua he made after the tribulation he faced at Ta'if, which he said was the hardest day of his life, Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alaihi Wasallam, he made this beautiful dua to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, expressing his contentment and his neediness. Saying, Ya Allah, you know, uh, uh, that the people have treated me so unjustly and I don't have a value with them and so on and so forth, expressing the difficulty of his state, not complaining in Allah's decree, saying, Ya Allah, this is, heavy, this is a heavy burden to bear. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, but if you are not angry with me, as long as these things are not an indication that you are angry with me, then I don't mind. But your, uh, your relief is easier for me. Look at the adab. Yani, Abdullah al-Kamil. He is the most atqa, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa The greatest taqwa is the taqwa of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu The most knowledgeable about Allah from amongst creation is the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu The greatest adab that was ever exhibit, exhibited by a servant to Allah was the adab of Sayyidina Muhammad But all of that teaches us how to be. Neither complaining, nor but expressing, Ya Allah, as long as you are pleased with me, I don't mind, ultimately. But your relief, which you can give, which doesn't take away anything from the love that he has for Sayyidina Muhammad but your relief is easier for me to bear. And then after that, the Prophet was taken on the Isra and Mi'raj which was the greatest honor. So dua is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But even the dua, the more adab we have in that dua, the more it brings us even closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while also asking Him for relief and expressing our neediness. So then Imam al-Haddad ends by saying, MashaAllah, wow. That which happened to the intimate friend, the Khalil, peace be upon him, Sayyidina Ibrahim, who was cast into the fire and refrained from praying was due to a secret concerning the particular state he was in So this is a very unique situation, the state of Prophet Ibrahim and it doesn't apply to the generality of believers. Allah has related in many of his prayers in numerous passages of his book. In fact, he has related more from him than any other prophet, from Prophet uh, Ibrahim, his ad'iyah. So Prophet Ibrahim made a lot of dua as recorded in the Qur'an. So that specific instance was unique. Thus, study the Book of Allah and extract the sciences from it, for they have all been set within it, whether minute or immense, manifest or hidden. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, we have neglected nothing in the book. And He also said, 
we revealed the book to you as an exposition of all things, a guidance, a mercy, and good tidings for the believers. Alhamdulillah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to reach this point and inshallah uh, all that remains is the conclusion. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he grant us his love and that he grant us that we love him and we love uh, all of those who are beloved to him subhanahu wa ta'ala and we love everything that brings us closer to his love Jalla Jalalu and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that among his creation he bestows the honor upon us and he bestows uh, the, the, the dignity that nothing else in existence, nothing in creation, not even paradise itself can compare when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls out to Jibreel alayhi salam and says, Ya Jibreel, inni uhibu fulhan al-fair. Oh Jibreel, I love so and so, so love him. We ask you, Ya Allah, that you grant us that, Ya Allah, in these moments of Ramadan, Ya Allah, we are not deserving, Ya Allah. And we ask you, We ask you, Ya Allah. And we recognize our shortcomings, Ya Thank you for listening. This lesson was brought to you by Seekers Guidance, the world's first truly global Islamic seminary. Visit seekersguidance.org to access reliable Islamic knowledge taught by qualified teachers. We offer a wide range of courses, podcasts, articles, and a world-class answer service, all completely free of charge. This is made possible solely by supporters like you. Be a partner in this blessed work by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org. Even $10 a month can go a long way. Our beloved Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, Whoever guides someone to goodness will have a similar reward. So don't forget to share this lesson and join us in spreading prophetic guidance.